When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're momming today with Doug Parisi, a former police captain and now the director of training for Safe Defend. Doug's a dad, and we're momming with him. Three kids. They're all older now, but I'm sure he did a bunch of trick-or-treating in his past, both as a father and someone patrolling the streets. Doug, welcome. Thank you for having me, Lauren. It's a pleasure to be here. I know so many kids are so excited for Halloween, right? When they can wear a mask for a different reason, right? <laughs> for sure. Yes, just that. Uh, but, you know, it's funny because now you can make the mask part of the uh, whole costume. Exactly. Exactly. So you have um, some tips to help keep everybody safe on Halloween. You see, my, my biggest challenge is that the kids kind of, mine, mine are younger, but they meet up with their friends. I'm there, of course, and they kind of just take off in different directions. And we go to neighborhoods that we think are safe, but they're still on the street. I'm still running after them. <laughs> Any tips? Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing is is talking to your kids before that day. They're so excited that day that they're not going to listen to you. But maybe a couple of days before you start talking about the rules, you know, not crisscrossing streets. Um, you know, you go down on one side, you come back the other. And mine means you have to walk an extra block um, on, a, on a street you've already gone to or something like that. But that's one of the biggest things that's um, the safety issue. And then the other thing, too, is talking to your kids about asking them what their other friends are wearing because and i can just give you a quick example my son wanted to be a robot one year so we made this awesome costume out of robot you know air filter type things and it was so cumbersome that he couldn't keep up with everybody else that we ended up just taking the costume off halfway through because he was you know he loved the costume but then he wasn't able to run as fast as his friends so you're saying it requires a lot of planning (laughs) not a lot but yes it does require some um you know i I try to bribe my children. I'll let you eat most of your Halloween candy tonight if you listen to me on our adventures. It doesn't always work. But let's talk about older kids who um, can have a phone. You say that the phone is the most important device to bring out with you when you are trick-or-treating. Yeah, so you definitely want to make sure your kids' phones are charged and that they're in low-power mode so that the battery is lasting as long as possible. And I don't want your kids using the phone while they're trick-or-treating, but I want them to have it on them. And the other thing that they should do is that if they're going to go out with a group of friends, um, definitely in text message, but there's different ways you can do it. But you can share your location with um, anybody for, say, till the end of the day or for an hour or whatever. And so if your kids are going out in a group, they need to share their location with each other and they need to share that location with all the parents that they're going And the most important thing is that you might lose contact with your child, but if you can contact any of the other five kids that are in the group with them, then your anxiety level is going to go down and it just might be an issue where they weren't paying attention or something like that. But you can make sure that that group stays together and you can kind of make sure they they are where they say they were going to be. And the phone has a light. So if it gets dark at night, they can use that as a flashlight. Another great thing, yes, is that it does have that resource to just reach out in an emergency or has the tools like the flashlight that they might need. A lot of kids like those glow sticks, you know, the... um... The, you you crack them and you wear them uh, on your wrists or, or as a necklace. Those are probably popular for, for trick-or-treaters who go out a little bit late, right? You can see the kids. 
For sure. Um, most stores sell these. Um, you can get them at all of the big um, you know, box stores, but they have them and they have breakaways so that the kids won't get it caught on anything. That's an important thing. Make sure it's not a solid string. But um, the thing, too, is to wear it on their back so that everybody always thinks that they hang it on the front, but that gets obstructed. What we really want huh. is we want those kids like actually wearing that glow stick. So it doesn't interfere with the uniform. It doesn't get in their way, but the, you can see those kids kind of moving. And the thing is that if they're running, it's going to be bouncing around that even if they're kind of, you know, moving towards something. The biggest issue is that kids get kids get um, injured by things they don't see. And generally they're looking forward. And so it's the things behind them that we want them, you know, that those things behind them to be able to see that there's a child up ahead. I always wonder this question. What are the what are the most common or the acceptable hours for trick or treating? Generally six to eight. Some, I would tell you, that's kind of the hard and fast rule that I've found across the country is 6, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. The biggest issue would be that some neighborhoods really go all out and that's not enough time and they might, you know, really want to have a bigger issue and they might keep it open until 9.30, 8.30 or 9. The, the number one thing, though, is that if you're a parent or if you're at home, you the idea is you turn off your light um, and kids need to be told don't go, even if they see lights on in the house, if the front porch light isn't on, they shouldn't approach that house. Oh, man. Oh, guilty as charged. Okay, so <laughs> the unwritten rules of proper etiquette for Halloween. If the porch light is not on on a house, that means you, you shouldn't ring to... the doorbell. Correct. That's Oops. the biggest etiquette. Oops. Yep. <laughs> Any other tips? Um, the, the one thing that, I've, and I just say this to homeowners, is that if you have things in your house, you know, if you're going a sprinkler system or shrubbery or whatever, take the time um, the day before to get that, you know, go buy some of that yellow tape and, you know, tape off the areas that you, if you want them to stay off your grass, then make signs that the kid, you know, make it uh, clear you want kids to stay off your grass. If there's things that they should avoid, like a little dip in or a divot, or if you had a tree removed last year and it's something like that, then, you know, put something there like a Halloween decoration or something like that, that people would move around. No, the, the, when you look at the injuries, the, the vast majority of injuries that happen don't end up in hospitalization, but they're like the slip and fall type injuries. Mm -hmm. And these can be avoided with a little bit of preparation by the homeowner. And that's the number one thing that, that I encourage people to do is to start being proactive with the idea that, hey, I people are going to be running through my um, yard. I, I need to keep them safe. So as, as a mom, I, I find trick-or-treaters really cute. And I, I love seeing all the costumes, you know, come come to my doorstep. But I can imagine a lot of people uh, think it's really annoying having strangers on their property coming to their porch, ringing their bell. Um, what, have, what have people said to you in the past that they don't like about my cute kids trick-or-treating? Uh, the biggest thing is, is the, the tearing up of the landscaping. Yeah. Um, you know, kids... You know, kids need to learn how to wait in line. You know, like they all pile up around the door. That's one thing. Um, the other thing, too, is, and I just strongly recommend this, is just tell your kids to be polite and courteous. But the fun thing is to just make sure they at least have one trick-or-treat joke, you know, because you're always going to find that person that says, you know, trick-or-treat, and they'll say trick or something like that. But it's always fun that if you want to, like, lighten up the mood with the uh, homeowner is have your kids have a silly joke that they can tell really quick. Okay, um, we need examples. Kids, um, you know, where do, where do pirates get their hooks from? the secondhand store, um, stuff like that, you know, just like something you could say or a cute little knock knock joke. If you Google them, you can find several of them. I'm sorry, but it's the worst when you have, you know, someone really moody answering the door and obviously annoyed because I'm always like, well, what do we do? OK, maybe the kids were on the grass, but hey, my son's like two. <laughs> right. Maybe they rang the bell too many times, but they are cute and it is Halloween. So I guess I'm the worst parent out there, huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, you know, it's funny is I think what I found is that most of the parents or most of the people that don't want to do the Halloween, they're the type that just buy the bag, the bowl, the, you know, and put it on their porch and they turn their light on and, 
and just say, look, you know, whatever, you know, that, that I found people that we have a, uh, one of my neighbors is that's not her thing. She just doesn't like getting up that much. And um, the other thing too, is I would tell parents, if you real if you really are the type of person that doesn't like to get up, then just be festive and sit on your front porch with the candy and the kids will come up where, you know, it's an hour and a half out of your life and it's usually pretty good. So, I have questions um, about that big communal bowl of candy that you leave out. And I'll ask them when we're momming today returns right after this. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We're momming today with the dad, Doug Parisi, about Halloween. <laughs> so so my neighborhood isn't the best neighborhood for trick-or-treating. There's just not a lot of houses and the ones, you know, it's older people. So there's not much participation. So we go to other areas. But I feel bad that I don't provide candy because we get a couple of trick-or-treaters. So I usually um, I do special, you know, I, I put uh, all the different candies in bags and I tie them and I leave them all out on the porch. And it usually works fine. <laughs> but last year, it was gone in like 0.2 seconds, apparently. And we checked our, our you know, our, our cameras outside and like one small group of kids took all of our candy because I left it out. I guess joke's on me, right? That was my fault. Yeah, I think that the way to do that, and it's funny, is just put a big sign, that homemade sign that says smile and wave, you're on camera. People <laughs> tend to, you know, even if there isn't one, you know, you said you had one. But a lot of times if you just do that, you know, the kids will follow the rules and, and stuff like that. So that, yeah, unfortunately, we do end up with those situations. But yeah, in general, you should tell people what they're supposed to take. Um, uh, I don't know if you saw it recently or last year, there was the girl, the little girl that was telling her mom not to take more candy. Like, And the girl, like the three, four-year-old is telling her mom not to keep taking candy from the bowl. So it's <laughs> kind always, of a cute little video. I always tell my kids, get mommy the milk duds. Or, you know, I put in That's my right. order with them. But, um, no, I spend time, you know, I put each bag had a Skittle, a Milky Way, a this, you know, a few things. So no one got gypped. They got a decent number of candy, but they decided to take multiple bags with all the candy in it. So let's say you just do, um, you have a big bowl of candy candy. How many, and, and if, if that homeowner allows you to put your hand in and pick what you want, um, how many should you take? I mean, that would be, the, I think it's a, the homeowner, you just need to say like, if there are a bunch of Jolly Rancher candies or a bunch of like sort of Brock's candies type thing, like, and you bought a large bag, then you just need to put a sign attached to it that tells the kids what to take, like take three, take four. Oh. Um, obviously, Obviously, if you have the chocolate and there's fewer, you know, just please just take one or whatever type of candy. So I think it just depends on what you're what you expect of the uh, the kids. You know, I'll tell you this. I save up peppermints and they can have uh, handfuls and take as many as they want. because That's just not my candy. <laughs> I know. I kind of do that, too. I buy the candy I don't like because if it's sitting in right. my house, I'll eat it before Halloween and, and then after. Right. Um, any any rules? I remember growing up, you know, my mom had to inspect all of my candy to make sure none of it looked partially open. Um, what, what are, what's, what's the temperature on that these days? It's very low. Um, I mean, I, it, that's where the, the internet has been a wonder um, because we've actually gotten the, the clarification of what happened in those situations. Um, the stories that, some, that I grew up with about needles and candies and razor blades and the different things like that and tampered with candy, that's really not something that happens um, across the country. One of the things, it's very easy to catch those people because, you, you know, it was this neighborhood and then you just start finding out who handed out what candy. And so most of the times if we've ever had that, the, the police have quickly 
found anybody that's done that. But it's, we're, we're talking extremely rare, um, you know, like once every five years, something like this happens. The biggest issue is, is that if, if that's something of a concern, um, the, what I tell parents is you should go ahead and buy a bag of candy that you know your kids like and hide it. And then that way, when they come home, if you have something that looks like this is tampered with or something like that, like then you trade them the candy that you bought for the candy that you're suspicious of. Oh, that's And brilliant. that's a good one. Right. And so you just like, so then the kids don't feel that they're being cheated out of something or that you're just taking it. And the other thing too is, is that there's certain candies that I just didn't like my kids to eat because they were just pure, pure, pure sugar or something like that. And I didn't want them to have as much as they did. So I would trade them for something that I knew they liked that was, you know, had maybe peanuts in it or something like that, um, my, that I, I wanted them to have. My husband and I have this fight every year. Um, he tries to uh, limit their candy or, you know, put rules on it. Okay, you can have this number of pieces tonight and the rest tomorrow. But I, I say, just let them eat all of it tonight. <laughs> because they're, they're going to torture us until they can eat all of the candy in whatever time frame you give them. And we know they're not going to be able to finish it. So just let them have at it. And then we'll deal with it later. Right. So one of the things you can do is just go buy like the brown paper bags and um, you put Monday, Tuesday, you know, like whatever day and you put like the week. All right. And then they have to decide that night. It's just actually a nice thing. They have to put in the candy for the week and then you staple the bag shut and then they can't have the candy till that day. But they literally the game for them. The exciting part was deciding what candy they wanted to save till Wednesday and what candy was going to do Thursday and what candy to save till Friday. And then they have the whole thing out there and stuff like that. And so then you can literally make them make the decision to spread out their candy and then you're slowing down the intake of it so that it isn't at night. I mean, I, I, That's awesome. it's okay. I, right, yeah. And this is a fun thing to do. Like, um, So let's say you're done trick-or-treating, but your kids don't want to be done, but you bring them home and now all of a sudden they have 30 to 45 minutes of activities. One, you get to sit down with them and trade the candies out. So that's something you get to do with them. And then you put the bags in front of them and tell them they need they have seven bags and they need to put all their candy in the seven. And then you can walk away at that point. And then they're sitting there deciding what they want. And they'll sit there for, trust me, they'll sit there a long time deciding what pieces. And then they like pull stuff out of Wednesday's bag and put it in Tuesday's bag and all this <laughs> stuff. So, um, and then, and, you know, sometimes uh, I, my, once they get older, they just literally do handfuls in each bag. But it was just a nice little thing to do um, to kind of extend out that sort of evening of Halloween and everything that it means. I could just see, though, my daughter, you know, will staple Wednesday's bag, for instance, and she'll she'll open it and be like, too bad. I, I wanted that piece. <laughs> and there goes the plan. Um, in the unfortunate situations where there is vandalism on a house during, you know, maybe some of the older kids trick-or-treating at night, um, what, is, what have you seen in your experience and, and how should you handle it if you're the homeowner? Or, or if you're the mother or the father of that child who did the vandalism? Yeah, the best thing to do is the vast majority of the vandalism that I would say happens is usually sort of um, what we would fall in the nature of pranks or something like that. And making sure that they take ownership where they're going to have to go clean up what they're going to do or they're going to repair it or they're going to, you know, have to um, work it off. So, like, let's say if, if somebody did break something, then the way they do it is, all right, I'll mow, you know, you're going to have to mow their yard or rake, you know, rake their leaves would be a big one in, for the time of season. But make them have a consequence that they are literally exchanging their labor, which they can give freely to the person for um, in exchange for the, the loss of, say, um, financial repairs that are required on a house so taking responsibility for it the biggest issue there is when we're looking at it is being outside uh, making sure that if you see a bunch of teenagers run up and down the street or if, if that's all that's come through um, your house then at some point somebody probably does need to go outside and make sure nothing bad is happening 
which is I do encourage people that if you are home, it is wonderful to go just sit out on the porch and hand out your candy. But that's also what you're protecting is your, your eyes and ears on the, the neighborhood during that time. Um, we lived close enough on a cul-de-sac that a couple of years we literally got the fire pit. And everybody came to the edge of their driveways. We could still talk to each other and stuff like that. But the kids would come down and they would just meet us at the driveway. And, um, and we'd hand out the candy there as opposed to going up the doorstep. And then we had the fire pit in the middle. And it was nice and fun. Hey, is that legal? <laughs> a, um, a fire on the, on the street? A uh, fire pit in the middle of the cul-de-sac? I think the cops are generally um, probably too preoccupied. But it's, I th- I'm sure if you do it safely... Um, which we did, you know, we had the, we had the, the actual cul-de-sac island and it was just, you know, one of those um, metal fire pits, you know, that you could just, we all sat around and did that. So. Well, you're giving me ideas because I do live on a cul-de-sac and I do have that fire pit. And maybe even though my area is slow, we create like a little, I don't know, a little staging grounds. We have nice policemen in my, in my neighborhood. They've right. been to my That's house exactly many times. <laughs> right. Hopefully only for good things. Um, <laughs> well, actually, uh, my daughter decided to throw a Barbie doll at my son, and she hit a small vein or artery, I suppose, in his head, and he was gushing blood. We didn't think we'd make it to the ER, so we called the cops. And, That's a good um, thing. Yeah. No, no, they came, and, you know, a million questions, and they left, and my son had a little Band-Aid on his head. As we're right. saying, we can't get to the emergency room. We went through three washcloths already. Um, totally fine. It's just, I guess, the angle with which it hit. Anyway, we've established nice contact with our with our local police force as a result. <laughs> well, let me just let me just jump <laughs> off to the side real, real quick. I strongly encourage they make they ha- they also sell them at all the box stores. But there's trauma packs that have uh, clotting agents in them. And I, I have multiple because of my job, but I've literally always carried one in my car ever since I was in law enforcement. But there is something in there that is usually just a few dollars, like under $20, and you apply it to it, and it helps clot those wounds. And so then that would have bought you that time you needed in oh. order to get to the hospital. So I strongly recommend, like, with a fire extinguisher, everybody should have at home. You also have a trauma pack. They sell them, like I said, especially at camping stores. You can find them very easy. You can get them online as well. Um, but uh, it has a clotting agent in it, which will slow down bleeding from uh, arterial wounds and, and head wounds and stuff like that. And that's exactly what it's for, is to just help help that wound clot quicker and so you you know don't have the mess on your hands that you might. Doug, it was honestly the scariest moment of my life, but I'm, I'm upset with my own reaction to it. Fortunately, my husband was home, and this might have been why I had this reaction. Um, there was just so much blood, I, I almost took a step back. Like you, you would think your maternal instincts would kick in, and they have in terms of other injuries in the past. But for some reason, with this one, like I, I froze. I, I couldn't believe it. And my husband was like, "Lauren, Lauren, call nine one one." And I just sat there. And then I was like, "Wait, wait, let's just go to the ER." He's like, "I don't think we're gonna make it. Call the cops. Like call nine one one right now." And I, I, I froze. I, I just, I felt so guilty that my, I, I just couldn't, you know, go in and, and, and put you know, or hold him, you know, it was, it was scary, scary and, time. And what for that me. Is, yeah. What, what that, what it is, is, I mean, that's just the shock that so many people go into, which is very common. It's not a thing. And, and your husband was able, one of the things is when you sort of are the first, first person on scene or the immediate responder, and then somebody else comes up, it's that the group think now all of a sudden when your husband now doesn't have multiple decisions to make because he can de- delegate some of those to you, it's easier for him to deal with the situation as the second responder on scene, which is my sometimes why his reaction might be better. Had the roles been reversed, he might have done the exact same thing as you and you come walking in and you're like, you go call 911, I'll take care of the injury and we can go from there. And so that, that sort of a group 
sort of uh, effort actually helps reduce those sort of things. So yeah. just understand that, that that is pretty normal in the sense of people do get sort of this, what do I do first mentality? And then they, it's a uh, paralysis based yeah. on, you know, too many decisions. Yeah, It, it was so, so upsetting to me for a long time. I, I just, I, I kept going through what happened and my reaction because I would never in a million years expect just not to jump into the situation. I, I always have. And then I, I, I'll, ne- I'll never forget that as it unfolded at my kitchen table. Yeah, so just tell your husband you were lucky that he was second and, and then write it off to that. Yeah. Uh, okay, so we digressed. Um, anything, oh, coronavirus. How much of is the pandemic a concern when kids are out trick-or-treating and interacting with other kids and with strangers? I don't think it's a huge issue. You know, like we didn't have any sort of severe outbreak last year from this. And we certainly did, um, you know, some trick or treating across the country. I would tell you that one of the things that um, for homeowners and for the moms that are listening, let the kids grab the candy, reduce the amount of contact that's going in. I I get it that there's going to be um, that sort of thing. The other thing, too, is is and it it sounds silly, but get some um, uh, tongs. And uh, that way the kids aren't having to reach their hand in the bowl and you're using the tongs to grab a couple pieces of candy and then you can drop it in. The great thing there is it extends your reach by about a foot. So for a mom, <laughs> you don't have to, to go as far. So there's little things you can do like that. They make um, several Halloween. Th- these are not new. If you go into Halloween stores, you, you'll see that they already had these things. They um, do? Which is what I, yeah, they're, they're, they're Halloween type tongs and they're big pumpkin ends. I've seen them and they just like, they're com- uh, candy grabbers. And so then they're just like, it's exactly what you would think, like those um, salad tongs that uh-huh. um, yeah. Uh, are, have, yeah, they just use those sort of things. And that's what I would just recommend. And that way you aren't touching the candy and the, and the uh, kids aren't touching the candy. We actually should have started you. there. You know, I felt that my first question to you was going to be, okay, um, with the pandemic, are people still trick-or-treating? And then I was like, ah, we've dealt with this <laughs> for a few years now. I think, you know, with most people being vaccinated and it being outdoors, we can safely go trick-or-treating. But that is um, that would have been a good place to start. Yeah, we're fine with it. Just put tongs in your candy bowl and you're really limiting um, germs from being in the same place. Right. And the other thing, too, is just and then I would say for the parents that are walking with their kids, make sure you have the spray stuff and that the children are just told, hey, no eating candy out there. I mean, you know, that was something we all did. We'd stop on the corner and eat a couple you know, bites of candy. Maybe you don't do that so you can get home and wash your hands and make sure everything's safe. Um, there's lots of things you can do, just the general precautions that we would normally take. Um, but the kids, especially the smaller ones, they always want to eat something right there. So just make sure you have um, some hand sanitizer that you can use that right before the kid picks up the candy and eats it. And, and I think you should be fine. Um, the universal precautions are still in place um, for COVID. Um, but I think that it's not a huge deal as long as you kind of um, make sure that you um, take the necessary precautions to keep your hands clean. And so last question, you said the key hours for trick-or-treating are six to eight. How bad is it if you do it a little bit earlier? Was it on a Saturday not, last year? Halloween was on a weekend, I think, last year. Well, it's funny you say that. I don't remember. Um, it, it's not a bad thing. You're just going to catch people in dinner. Like, I mean, I always try to feed my kids before they went out so that they weren't hungry and trying to eat all the, the candy. And so that, that was just the biggest thing is sometimes. But most of the time, it's um, the best time to start is dusk. You know, that's the true time is like whatever dusk is on Halloween. Uh, you know, like 548 or 553. Mm-hmm. I can't remember when it normally is. That's usually the time when you theoretically can start trick-or-treating. But the safe time is just six o'clock. I feel like it's different in New Jersey. We kind of go right after school. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm thinking hard. I, I, yes, the past couple of years, we've gone trick-or-treating on the earlier side. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, that's what to say. I'm here from in the Midwest, and, I'm you know, you're talking um, Arkansas, Oklahoma, St. Louis, Kansas City, 
um, you know, Nebraska and, and most of the places there that uh, was always dusk was, you know, six o'clock to eight was when we would we would go trick or treat. I'm going to pay extra attention this year. I'm doing a lot of things differently this year <laughs> after this conversation. <laughs> yeah. So the one thing we didn't touch on that I just went to that is so yes. much fun is the technology on glow in the dark um, face paints and hairsprays. And then they have these things like these luminescent sprays. You can literally, it looks clear when you spray it on your kid's arms, but then if uh, a light hits it, it, it's very, very vibrant. And these things are found online um, at most of the stores. They're unfortunately a little pricier. The best time to get them is after Halloween and use them next year. But um, you can also buy them at several stores, um, you know, the, the common stores that you would common box stores. But those are another great way to amp up the um, costume for the kids because you're putting face stuff on it, but uh, understanding it's glow in the dark and very reflective. And so those are some good things to also. I think they'd love that. <laughs> yes. Your bathtub, but, your bathtub won't later. Um, it's not the scare. Uh, it, you know, having pink stuff on your face though isn't the scariest "quote unquote" thing. So you know, it's kind of little kids will love it, but the older kids not so much. So. And how old is too old to go trick or treating? I don't know. It's, a, it's an interesting question. Uh, my kids stopped at probably fourteen. That's when they wanted to start handing out the candy. Or now, then they like you know they'll go like, oh, we're going to go uh, trick or treating in a group. Um, and so it's just, uh, I, I would think 14 would be about the age, but I know people that still trick or treat in their 30s, so, <laughs> with their kids. <laughs> or, or, or like me, I'm like, go get mommy this. <laughs> and one, one time my daughter's like, mom, there is no peanut M&Ms. I'm like, oh God, way to embarrass me. <laughs> well, I have a I have a really good friend and, um, and she is uh, under five foot and she's a wonderful woman. And she said, the greatest advantage of being under five foot is you get to trick or treat for your whole life. And she laughed, and she literally does. <laughs> that was awesome. Hey, Doug, thank you so much. Happy early Halloween. Lauren, thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.